Welcome to the Pitching Nerd Show, where we get nerdy about the art of pitching. I'm your host, Sean Kitzman, aka The Pitching Nerd. Let's get into the show. Hey everybody, what's going on? It's Sean Kitzman here, aka The Pitching Nerd. I've got a great guest on with me today. I've got my good friend Ryan Morris on, The Pitching Mechanic. Ryan's down in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, Ryan, dude, thanks so much for coming on. Let's uh, let's let's kind of get this started. We've been flapping our gums for about the last twenty minutes off camera. We but we should probably do this now, right? Yeah, no doubt, man. Yeah, I mean, every time we uh, get to talk to each other, we can go on and on for for hours or days. But uh, but appreciate you having me on, man. I've been looking forward to this. Um, yeah, Ryan Morris, baseball mechanic, and um, you know had the privilege of, of working with Sean through Gabe Pilla, mm-hmm. who was a client of mine. Um, got to work with Gabe early on in his career, a kid who was like itching to, to strive towards his career, high school guy throwing mid to upper seventies and, and uh, fast forward to, through his career and trying to help continue his career, meeting, meeting you and, um, uh, and leading to so many other pieces, man. Such a crazy spider's web, spider web. Getting to look at your podcast and seeing the guys now that he's able to branch out to and people I'm able to connect with. But um, but yeah, man. Just just excited to be on and and, and talk baseball, talk pitching. Yeah, so. yeah, dude. Like I said to you earlier on, this is the third episode I've I've done today. So this has been a packed day. It's been two. It's been two episodes. Uh, kettlebell workout. Did, worked with a kid uh, at the house here, and then you know now you here at eight o'clock, you know Central Time. So you know definitely, definitely kind of you know burning the candle at all ends right now. Yeah, man. Like I said, like seeing how many people you've had on already, and like kind of the the like juggernaut guys you've had come onto your podcast. I feel privileged. Like coming in as like the little guy right now down in Charlotte, North Carolina, just. You know, chiming in, giving giving my piece to it. So I appreciate the time. Yeah, dude, you're underselling that quite a bit, though. So so let's nah. <laughs> yeah, let's go ahead and uh, kind of you know unpack a little bit for for those of you you know for those of the people who don't know your story. Uh, you know, we met through Gabe. Um, what about uh, about a year, two years ago, almost now, right? Yeah. Yeah, a little a little over a year and a half. Ago. Yeah. Yes. So we met through Gabe. You came up, um, and then we, you know, we we kind of did a bullpen with him, and and we worked together, and um, grabbed some beers together. Grabbed some beers together. It. Yeah, had a little bit of barbecue, and you yeah, know, that's had, good. Yeah, that that's a that's always a good thing. So um, so tell tell us about you know uh, how'd you get into pitching? Like, let's kind of go down the the road of your of your early early days as a pitcher and. You know, um, kind of where you know, kind of go from from there to where you are now. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm I I came up uh, through North Carolina, short North Carolina. I, I was uh, raised here. Um, I graduated high school in 2006, just to kind of give people a feel of the generation I came through. Um, I came up left-handed pitcher. Through high school, played for a really good showcase team in the area here, the Dirtbags, um, which a lot of people will recognize on a national level. Um, I was one of the OGs with the Dirtbags. 
um, put myself in a position to get drafted out of high school in the fourth round in 2006. I was signed, committed to Clemson University. Oh, wow. And, um, but decided to start my pro career after I got drafted in the fourth round in 2006 and played with the Cleveland Indians for six years, six seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I was good, man. Back then, I was I was a really good pitcher. Mm-hmm. I was highly projectable, six foot three. Back then, I was maybe like 180 pounds, mm-hmm. so had the body potential to put on weight, put on more velo, and um, but didn't. Um, I was you know making all star teams within the minor leagues, mm-hmm. but never amounted to what I think my projections showed. Mm-hmm. Um, reason being, I, ha- I ended up having a shoulder surgery. It was not the typical shoulder surgery. I had a joint capsule release, which well, yeah. most people re- will relate to the elderly. Yep. Um, it's more of like a frozen shoulder, Yep. Um, as most people will understand it as. And... Um, and during that time, my the people that were working on me surgically, PTs, like everybody was kind of confused about that injury or that need for a surgery. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of guys had had that surgery up to that point. Um, Cleveland's orthopedic surgeon, the youngest person he had done that surgery on at that point was like, I think, 55 years of age. And so when I went on the operating table, they basically told me, like, we don't know, we don't know, like, what your chance of coming back is. We don't know if it's 5%. We don't know if it's 100%. Sure. Like, so they ended up giving me a, like, I think it was like a 35% chance of coming back 100%. Mm -hmm. Meaning I can throw that 95 mile an hour fastball again. Um. Ironically, when the game that I got hurt, I had a no hitter going into the seventh inning Jeez. and hurt my arm going into the seventh inning. And uh, one of my best friends, Chris Archer, who's now the ace for the yep. Pittsburgh Pirates, yep. um, he came up to me after the game. He's like, Mo, how many how many changeups did you throw in the seventh inning? I'm like, zero. He's yeah. like, bro, you didn't throw a fastball above like 80. All of your fastballs were like 77. So. Uh, that kind of let me know early sure. on, like something's up, but, uh, ultimately never came back from that surgery. And the problem I had was like, I didn't have surgeons, physical therapists, uh, strength coaches, anybody be able to tell me one, what the problem was mm-hmm. two how to fix it. Mm-hmm. So I never made it back. Mm-hmm. I came back throwing like 991, got sat down in the Cleveland Indians office with like big, I mean, big office people. Mm-hmm. They said, Hey, look, we know you're feeling great. We know you're pitching okay, but we're not seeing what we need to see. They let me go. Which is so, so crazy, dude. Ninety ninety one as a lefty, and they let you go. I mean, Jesus, man. There's, you know, I mean, that that should still play, you know. And and ironically, like that played my mind. Like that 
came through my head. I'm like, dude, I'm throwing 991. You got lefties that are throwing 86, 87. For sure. And are getting lit up. Like, don't get me wrong. That went through my head just as a competitor. Sure. But one thing that always sticks out is like that they told me that that helps me cope with it getting released was they said like you didn't make the the necessary changes to let us know that it's not going to come back sure so i have to look at it in that sense sure you know like and they're right i did not go back as a player or as an athlete and make the necessary changes to convince them that i wasn't going to get re-injured doing the same thing i was doing sure that took me years to like let go of for sure and say hey look you know what they're right um that's a whole nother story in my life but in in reality that's what most guys need to recognize early on is if if they're seeing if the guys at the highest level are saying hey look this guy's doing the same thing that got him hurt he's not a good investment sure right i have to see baseball as a business that's what it is for sure you know so for me, it took a lot of time to kind of come to that and recognize it. And they're right. I was not doing anything different at all. Sure. I was still that cocky, ignorant kid trying to throw the same way. It got me drafted for $500,000 Sure. to try and convince these guys, hey, I'm still the guy you thought I was. Yeah. The guy you thought I was was wrong. Right, right. right. That's why you – I had surgery, and then it should be okay for them to release me. Sure. Because I'm not making the necessary changes as an athlete, right, or as an employee. Sure. That's why I have to look at it. Yeah. I'm not making the changes as an employee for that business. Yeah. So – that um that's what jump started my career as a coach, man. It's like once I once I came to that point where I realized the way they looked at it from a business standpoint to employee, it really helped me bridge that gap between like, okay, what was I doing wrong as a player mm-hmm. or as an athlete or a guy trying to sh- strive towards the big leagues mm-hmm. that I missed? And it wasn't the training. It wasn't even like the velo or anything like that. It was the mindset. Sure. I have to constantly be thinking about how can I better myself in the smallest way, in the biggest way, whatever it is. I struggle with that. And it's okay for me now. I've told Gabe this. Sure. I've told other kids I work with is like your things that you think is like minuscule to somebody else right. is like your biggest weakness. Right. And you can't you can't undermine that. You have to like again, that's why every coach you work with, whether they have no clue what they're talking about or they have every clue, you have to take it in and say, This this thing he's pointing out could be my biggest weakness. Sure. As little as he understands the game, it could be my biggest weakness. Sure. Because he's looking at it from a different perspective. Sure. So, um, you know, I started coaching. I started coaching, like, youth travel teams. 
Um, then I started getting more into lessons. My lesson built up. Mm -hmm. And they only got better with time. Because mm -hmm. with time, I started teaching guys better techniques, which led to better results. Sure. Which, um, which led to a bigger, better clientele. Sure. And um, fast forward to even like a kid like Gabe. You know, working with a kid out of state from North Carolina to Minnesota, that's a big deal, man. For sure. Working with a kid over that space, getting the chance to work with him, see his growth, see his commitment. Because yep. it's, it's not just my commitment from one seat to the other. For sure. You got that kid who's working with a coach from Minnesota to North Carolina, and you have his family committing. You know, I appreciate uh, – you know, Gabe's mom and dad independently. Sure. Um, you know, both his parents are divorced and like yep. both of them have done such an incredible job. And I appreciate their trust in me mm -hmm. working with their son mm -hmm. um, and their support with what I've given him ultimately leading to you. Sure. Leading to top velocity. Yep. And seeing that kid go from a kid who, yeah, was still in 75 when I met him to now he's on the phone with major league scouts right 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 you know yeah and you know a kid who had to go through like a red shirt injury right as a freshman when i was trying to push him hard you were trying to push him hard he got hurt right and still he conquers that right and is talking to major league scouts that want to draft him like that's what we live for like, yeah that's for sure. what i live for now for sure you know, Gabe is not the kid I was. Gabe, Gabe is so much stronger than I was. I've always tried to tell him that because I want that to take him further. Sure. He's done so much further in his career than I ever did. Sure. Um, he didn't have the natural skill set I had at his age um, and beyond, but he's, like, pushing himself far greater than I could have ever imagined myself at his age. Sure. And I know he's going to do greater things than I did. So that's what I live for now. Yeah, you know, I, th I, I think I think too, interestingly enough, the, you know, it's funny because 14 years isn't a long time, right? But 14 years is a long time in the baseball world, right? Yeah. Like it what is for me right now is a 32-year-old. I mean, that's, that's close to half my life. Yeah. Right. But but if you think about it though, I mean like 14 years isn't that long. But right. like when yeah. you look at it like in if the you're a 14 year old, no. Yeah. yeah. But it's but it's but in the baseball world, it is like it is like eons. Because what's going on today at the minor league level and then what's going on when you were at the minor league level, it's right. not even the same thing, right? No. I mean, like you know, in your generation, strength programs were just getting accepted, right? Yeah. I mean, you don't even know. Like it's crazy. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I mean, so you got you got to think about that too. I mean, you know the the and also, I mean, it, again, if we look at, I talked to a kid today that was in the White Sox organization, right? Like, but I talked to the kid today on the computer. When you were in 2006, that wasn't even a possibility, right? <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, exactly. like the, no the, the amount of technology that, that, that we have today available to us. And I was talking to, to a, a Division I uh, pitching coach, and we were talking about Rap Soto. And, you know, this kid's 24 years old, had an injury, 
Um, you know, just really couldn't come back. Started looking at Rapsodo as kind of a way to maybe like kind of reinvent himself a little bit. Oddly enough, a lefty too. Funny enough. Um, and so, um, but you know, like this kid's 24, right? I mean, he can't imagine a world without technology, technology that, yeah, him yeah, guide him. yeah, yeah. I mean, like, imagine what. Uh, and I've said this before. I I think I said this to Kyle from from Diamond, Diamond Kinetics. Imagine what, and he said to me, imagine what Maddox would have done, like, or imagine what Pedro would have done. You know, or Nolan Ryan, or Bob Gibson, or you know Tom Seaver, or you know go back, you know with with that type of technology. Like, what kind of picture would you have seen out of Bob Feller, right? I mean, I mean, we might have seen Don Sutton pitch for a long ass time, right? I mean, like, it, it, it it's it's kind of crazy, you know. Well, I and a hundred percent agree with you 100% without a doubt but at the same time I tell kids sometimes too what do you think Bob Feller had to cling to for sure what do you think Greg Maddox had to cling to when he didn't have technology right like talk about that's where a lot of the new age pitchers don't grasp the gut yep the grind yep the the mentality right I don't know if you've watched like recently the the Michael Jordan documentary yeah. or the Chicago Bulls yeah, documentary yeah. that's going on, dude. Like, see, I, that's what I grew up on. Like, I my dad, my dad pushed me sure to be like Mike. Sure, yeah, like, straight up, yeah. Like Michael Jordan today, people can argue he was he wouldn't be the most like physically sound player. He was in the most athletic in comparison to other guys. But they don't comprehend that right. when when athleticism and information and technology isn't here, what those guys went to. Right. Those guys had to go to something much deeper than a given like technology. For sure. Than a given uh like medicine even. Sure. I mean the the advances in medicine now. Sure. I mean, understanding, like, hot and cold, like, contrast with, like, ice versus heat. Yep. Like, there was a time where it was, like, ice or arm, ice or arm. Yep. Now, it's as simple as, like, ice and heat and right. understanding the, the medicine behind ice and heat yep. and that contrast and yep. understanding how that works on a white blood cell level. Yep, yep. Like, how it helps you recover. Yep. Like medicine has changed. So many things have changed, but what we don't sometimes appreciate is, and again, I'm, I want to say this too, is like we can go, we can go high tech, we can go biomechanics, we can go technology all we want, but the dudes that can nut up and pitch, like oh, that's another sure. side of pitching too, right? Yep. Like it's, but again, tying that into what you're talking about is like, that's what, I, I was on that flip side. I was like kind of right into that crossbreed. Yep. Of like nut up. Like if you read the back of my rookie cards, like this guy had a bulldog mentality. Sure. They're talking mentality on the back of my baseball card. Right. They're not talking about 
Diamond Kinetics. They're not talking about Rap Soto. Right. I think that's going to happen down the line. For sure. I think we're going to see baseball cards that like highlight guys' readings on Rap Soto. Sure. Oh yeah. Or for Diamond sure. Kinetics. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Or like, why not? Yeah. Right. I mean, like, because there's again, there's proven facts within that. Yep. But until that point, the only thing proven was what was in between the lines, and so I find myself kind of in between those generations for of sure like the guys and that's why i'm trying like to put myself more in a in a category like yourself where i'm focusing more on the science mm-hmm. right more on the nerd side of pitching sure and versus the guy who had experience with just like i i was known on my baseball card as a bulldog mentality sure right like i'm going to get you with this fastball that I can throw at 95. Do I know how I'm throwing it? Hell no. <laughs> Do I know how I'm protonating it? Hell no. But I'm just going to get you. Right? I don't know how it's rotating. I don't yeah. know the spin I don't know the spin rate of the yeah, ball yeah. I'm throwing to you. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to get you. Now we have a generation where guys are focused more on spin rate, right? How much angle pronated versus supinated, right? Like there's so many more things now that I can't comprehend. Sure. At all. Back then, now I can. Sure. But back then, I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Right. Super, even supinating and pronating. Right. To me, was a foreign language back then. For sure. So it's it's so weird, man. It's 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 awesome. Well, I it's, love that it's like growing. Yeah, I we're, love that. I love that it. We're not like again staying old school. I don't want to say old school. Right. Like we we have to, we're in that point right now where people are like in this debate all the time, hitting too, right? Yeah, oh my yeah, god, dude. Launch angle. Yeah, let's not get into that because that's going to create like so many problems. But like launching with the baseball and new strategy on swings and stuff like that. Holy crap! There's way more debate on that. Yep. Than there is pitching stuff, right? Oh, dude, it's yeah, yeah. I like hitters. I would. I would much rather work with a pitcher every day of the week and twice on Sunday because like, you know, and I've only worked with a couple of hitters, so I I shouldn't say this like, you know, as a blanket statement, but dear God, man, like, dude, nut up. Like, you know, I mean, dude, seriously, man, like it's, it's craziness. But you know, the funny thing about that though is like, what are they all talking about with, they're all talking about shit that Ted Williams talked about, you know, like, Ted Williams was way ahead of the game, and now that everybody's just finally catching up the Teddy ball game, you know. But let's let's think about it like this, like pitching. Let's uh, I'll say this, and uh, I might get heat for it, but pitching is harder to do, harder to accomplish for sure. Harder to like, it's a more athletic movement for sure than hitting. When we're just talking biomechanics, for sure, okay? there's more involved. We have to go through a further range of motion than a hitter does, right? We as pitchers, like, we got to throw on a line. Yep. These guys that are hitting against us, they got to intersect that line. Yep. That's it. That's yep. all we got to do. Now, I say all they got to do, hitting, the art of hitting, creating contact, and getting that ball to become a hit. Right. Against nine guys. Right. We as a pitcher, we're facing one guy. Right. Okay? The hitter's facing nine. That's why the odds stack against the hitter. Sure. I tell my kids all the time, how many times as a hitter have you, like, smoked a ball, 
line drive, shortstop jumps to his max vertical, comes down with it, you're out. Right. Or we give all the highlights to these guys that, like, they hit a bomb, but the center fielder or the, or the outfielder reaches up and he catches it yep. over the wall. And brings it back That's in. A home run. Yeah, yeah. It's over the wall. Yeah. But, sorry, your batting average goes down that yep. way. Yep, yeah. And the guy in center field, his gold glove goes up. Right, for sure. Right? Yeah. So, my point is, like, we get into this debate. I see it, like, especially because hitters, I, I tell this, there's an insecurity in pro ball hitters. Sure. They want to say pitchers are, you guys are the non-athletes, right? And I'm like, sorry, bro, we're doing way more athletic movements yeah. than you are. The problem is you're having to compete against me. Right. So, sorry, but you're going to you're gonna fail two out of ten times, and if you do, you're okay. You can still make it at the major league level right. if you're batting a couple hundred. Right. Right? Now, if you hit three out of ten times against me, now you're in the Hall of Fame. Right. So, you go from 200, you can make it in the big leagues, to 300. Right. Then you're in the Hall of Fame. Right. I'm like, come on, bro. You want to tell me that hitting's harder than pitching? Yeah. <laughs> like, we well, because because all you got to do is just get. The, I mean, and and again, we're saying this like this, but you know, like it's hard to get lucky with a pitch, right? Yeah. Especially when you climb the ranks, no, right? No. I mean, it's hard to get lucky with. You, you, typically, you get lucky when you when you on a pitch when you've thrown a bunch of filthy stuff, and you just grooved one a little bit, right? But yeah. like, dude, how many times have you had it? Where you threw, you put a ball in a place exactly where you're supposed to put it. Pitch. Yep, and yeah. a guy just puts a little flare on it, and it goes hey, over the shortstop head. To argue this with me. Yep. I'm like, hey, I can throw one lucky pitch. Yep. It still takes three to get you out, technically. Correct. Yeah. You can get one lucky swing on a perfect pitch yeah. and get a hit. Yeah. But I gotta throw three perfect pitches, or even three. Lucky pitches. Right, right. Either one, pick and, which one. And pray you don't get a bad one. I'm going to get lucky three times, or I'm going to throw three perfect ones right. to get you out. Right. And even on one of those three perfect ones, you can take a lucky swing yep. and get a hit off of me, yep. which makes can make my ERA go up and your batting average go up. Yeah, like, or... Or lose it, yeah. I mean, or you blow up, you blow a series. You know, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's 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 again. When you look at it like that, I don't care. I will get in that argument every time with guys. Right, for now, sure. Now, granted, again, I had a wise coach one tell one tell me, hitting is easy, getting a hit right is hard. Consistently, but, especially, right? Yeah, taking yeah. the same swing is much easier. Sure. Than making the same pitch because. Quite literally, we're almost doubling the range of motion. Yep. Getting a hit is much harder mm-hmm. than throwing a strike. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Statistically. Yeah. yeah. Like I and again, so yeah, man, it's just uh, that that will never change. No. You know, generationally, but we're seeing these pitchers come up now where they have way more information. Yep. Yeah, I would love to see a guy like Greg Maddox get more information. I'd love to see a Bob Feller get more information, but right. at the same time, you might see those guys be like, fuck it, I'm good enough. Sure. What are you giving me more information for? Yeah. Yeah. Those guys had a different edge about them, whether their mechanics were good or not. It was almost the confidence within their mechanics. Sure. That I think got them over it at that 
time and their age. We sometimes can't. That's what we don't flip. Sure. From one generation to the other is the amount of confidence they had in their stuff without being given the numbers, the statistics, uh, the digital visual of what they were doing. Those guys believed in it, whether that information was on a computer screen or, screen or not. Sure, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, they, they just had the ability to duplicate their mechanics and right. become reproducible. Had, and out of confidence. Yeah. Not even... They didn't have they didn't have video cameras. No, some of them back yeah. then they could no. even show them what they were doing. Right. You know. So yeah, one hundred percent agree. Yeah, I mean it's an interesting thing. I mean it's an interesting thing when you look at it. And also, you know, a guy doesn't a guy doesn't have to worry about going out and throwing one twenty anymore, right? I mean, no. he, he doesn't. I mean, shit, like because he's got a dude in the bullpen that can throw one twenty. Yeah, yeah, miles yeah. per hour. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting to that point, it's like yeah. Why? Well, yeah, and I mean, and you're starting to look at statistics that are like, yeah, I mean, fourth time around, you know, guys. But it's interesting because I've heard Cone talk about it. I was listening to David Cone last year, and he was like, you know, there's a lot of times my first two innings I sucked, and and then I went on to pitch seven or eight really good innings, but my first two innings I labored because again, it's it's based on a like a. Back then, it was a game-to-game basis even yep. more because Cone yep. could look at a guy first couple innings. He's doing he has certain tendencies in his swing. Yep. The guys now can make their swings right or make their tendencies based on at bat to at bat. Yep. Because they're going back into the dugout now and watching a video right of, of their, their swings. Yeah. Lined up with, yeah. they can overlay. What guys have done in previous at bats, yep. second it, second time up, yep. third time, they get those stats. Yep. So that's what people don't people don't get this at the next level now. It's like if you know your second at bat, that seventy percent of the time, if I get ahead of you, oh one, that seventy percent of the time I throw a change up at this location. Yep. If you don't sit on <laughs> right, that pitch, right, right. And that next at bat, yep. Based on the information, okay, he got ahead. Hole one. They'll do that. Right. They'll take a pitch. They'll yep. take a strike. Strike one. Yep. To that's what guys are doing. Yep. They'll take strike one, and then say, "All right, seventy-eight percent of the time that he gets ahead of me, oh one in the second at bat, he throws a changeup right here. Right. They'll take strike one. I get into my groove. Yep. Here comes a changeup. Whack. Like, off the fence in yep. left center. I'm like, what the fuck? Yep. Like, what? Yep. Like, he looked like he knew it was coming. Duh, he does. Yeah. Statistically, he's an idiot if he doesn't sit on that pitch. Well, and now let's... Now, if I don't throw it and he swings out of his shoes, like, on a... Cha- like, right. Like, he's late yeah. on a fastball because he's... Sp- so be it. But then he knows what to do the next pitch. Well, and and how and how crazy is that? Because you know we're talking about pitchers and and the and the consistency that you can develop with the technology. Like again, I mean, look at like, uh, you know, I've, I've already referenced him, but look what would what would have Ted Williams? Because you know, you know, Ted Williams would have been all over that shit, right? I mean, yeah. he he could have he could have hit four twenty maybe, right? I mean, That's like. What I'm saying. 
if you give the technology to that guy, yep. he knows what's coming. Yep. Statistically, again, he's just going off of averages. Yeah. All these guys, what I try and this is what I try and teach hitters. I work with hitters too, because again, I'm just all, all focused on biomechanics. But then sure. I also, when I'm working with a kid on hitting, and yeah, I'm focused on biomechanics. I'll say like, dude, do you know what I'm going to do to you right now as a pitcher? Right. Like, I always, I always right. add that in. Right. Do you know what I'm going to try and do to you? Right. If not, here's what I want you to understand from my mindset. Yep. If I was pitching to you, yep. Here's how I'd pitch you. Yep. And if and if you can't do it, that's how I'm going to continue to pitch you because yep. you can't, you can't. Excuse me. You can't show me the ability to change that. Yep. So, I, I teach that to guys because I want there to be this balance within their swing, this confidence within their swing, to where when they step out. They can if they, if they just had a bad swing like guys have it sure had a bad swing on strike two be able to step out and clear that because you better be ready for what's coming for strike three sure if you had a bad strike two the odds of you striking out and I got if, especially if you're facing a pitcher who has confidence yep are really high if you can't let strike two go sure so I try and help them understand the thought process of a pitcher yep so that they can go from strike two to strike you know a possibility of a strike three and feel really confident they can hit the pitch that that pitcher is going to throw for sure. So again, it's like it, it goes, I, I try so hard to like help guys see like there was a time when guys could only depend on their confidence. Yeah. That's it. They didn't, they weren't sitting there having the technology and the numbers fed to them like this, like literally in an instant, we have that now that doesn't change. If you don't have the confidence behind whatever information you give, right. you're given. Who cares? Well, it's it's like that old it's like that old story of you know Wade Boggs, right? They, the guy uh, throws a, they throw a, uh, they throw him a ball or a strike and he doesn't swing at it. He looks back at the ump and the country's like, why didn't you call that a a, stri- a strike? He's like, that's Wade Boggs. He didn't swing at it. You know, like. I mean, yeah, that that's the confidence. The yeah, he, he knows yeah. the zone, and, and he's got the confidence level, you know, to – He sees it better than I do. Yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. So and – it's, And it's trust within yourself. For sure. And other people see that. Yeah. And it's it's exactly what you're talking about. It's like we want to portray that to other people. That's, that's what you're trying to portray to scouts. Yep. That's what you're trying to portray to the other team. Yep. I tell my guys all the time, I'm like, look, I knew – when a guy stepped in the box, I knew if I was going to beat him or not. Yep. I could just look at him. Yep. And knew I could even step off the gas a little bit and beat this guy. I could conserve my energy. Sure. Against this guy. Sure. That's why, like, right now they're talking about taking the DH. Um, and put it in the National they're, League. They're talking about putting the yeah. DH in the National League. I love it, man. Yep. Because if I'm facing a guy who I know is truly – so uh, Bumgarner and I came up with each other. He's from Shelby, North Carolina. Uh-huh. But I freaking hated facing that dude in high school. <laughs> I had to face him in Legion Ball. Sure. I had to face him in the semifinals for the state championship when I was in high school. I beat him. <laughs> Mark that down. <laughs> but but he also, like, he's that guy that, like, he's a great hitter in the major league. Yeah, for a pitcher, but, he's amazing. Yeah, he's incredible. He was, he was, a, he could have gone anywhere he wanted. Sure, honestly, as a hitter, 
Sure. Come out of high school. He's just that great of an athlete. Sure. But uh, so his senior, he won the state championship. I would say like single handedly. Wow. He had a grand slam <laughs> and pitched like a shutout in the state championship he pitched in the, to win it. And it's so funny team. because what do you? I mean, like then you know that dude's a gamer in high school. But what do we know about Baumgartner? He's a gamer, right? Like, yeah. and it's amazing that that because some guys, you know, it shows early on, but it doesn't carry over. But it's amazing, like that that dude, like he had it then, and he still got yeah. it now. And he still has it. Yeah, he's the dude that's going to compete in the playoffs for yep. you. Like, he's a guy to put money into. Yep. Because no matter what the situation is, he's going to show up. He's going to be there, like whether he's hitting. Right. Or whether he's pitching, or right. whether you stick him out in free, at first base, like it doesn't. He'll be there. He'll show up and he'll do the job. Like, but that again, that's like that. I want people to see, like that's that still that generation of like the confidence. Thing. Yeah, it's not. He's so tied into the science or the technology, and where he's just geared on pitching. Yeah, I'd, and I was the same way. Like I was a great hitter in high school. I, I wanted to go play right field for Clemson. Sure. That's the reason my velo went up, is I wanted to be a two-way guy at Clemson. Sure. The way I was going to do that is Kevin O'Sullivan back then was the pitching coach. He's now the head coach at Florida. I was like, Sully, what's it going to take for me to, like, play right field? Because I, I hit 11 home runs as a junior in high school. Sure. I batted over 500. I'm like, I want to play right field at Clemson sure. and pitch. He's like, well, I was running a seven one sixty at the time. He's like, well, our fastest corner outfielders run like a six eight. I was like, well, I'm gonna run a six seven. <laughs> and then I pushed myself. I I start. I actually started working with a guy focused on training uh-huh. to improve my sixty time. Next thing I know, you know, I go to with the dirt bags down to the Worldwood Bat Championship, and I'm throwing 95. Sure. I had previously topped out at 91. I started throwing 95. Not shortly after, I ran a 6.73.60 sure. yeah. at the state games. So when I worked on my linear speed and, like, yep. got my legs to go, that was a huge, a huge missing component of – my delivery and pitching. Have you I got that explosive? Have you listened to any of uh, CC? Have you listened to R two C two? Right. Yep. Did you listen to the the episode with Boone and Harkey, and they were talking about Mariano, and how no, Mariano was was you know easily could have been a center fielder if he wasn't a pitcher. You know. Well, yeah, he was. He was like yeah. recruited like, and he got into the league or in the minor leagues as a position player. Yep. Yeah, that you know, and obviously you know, the 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 lore of Chapman, you know, I mean, like, you know, beating Billy Hamilton, and you know, sure. yeah, yeah, I mean that that yeah, the, the idea that 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 well, and so the the, the other interesting thing too is like, you know, you kind of came up in that cross generation too, and and now Gabe's generation, like I said to him a while back, you know, um, the CC's the last fat pitcher. There won't be another fat pitcher because the mold is not that way anymore. You don't have guys that are, you know, that's not acceptable anymore. As a, as a, uh, as a, a group of colleagues, even, you know, what I mean, like CC's the last guy that's, you know, CC and Bartolo, they're the last guys that are, you know, that was that that it, that it's acceptable to 
you know, be out of shape in essence. You know, you're just not going to see that well, anymore. It's ironic. You said, do you remember Bobby Jinx? Yep, for sure. With the white socks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that dude, yep. gas. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah. Jobber Chamberlain. Yep. Heavier weight dude. Yep. Through gas. Yep. Um, even Papelbaum was a guy who was like. For sure. He was chubby. He was he, he was chubby. Yep. For a while when yeah. he was like throwing gas. Um, there's been a few, man. I mean, uh, <clears throat> Felix Rodney. Yep. Um, even, uh, who was the dude? One of the first guys that threw like 101, uh, um, crap. Zamaya. Yep. Zumi. Zamaya was yep. the, the freaking guitar hero. Yeah. Tommy John surgery for yeah. <laughs> guitar hero. Yeah. Something like that. Like, but isn't it ironic? Like through that generation, we saw a bunch of heavy guys like yep. you're talking about like CC. Yep. Heavier weight was acceptable. And they were able to move that way to yep. Like, it's just diff- – it was different, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, so you're just not going to see that same thing anymore, you know? I mean no. – and because guys know – well, it's it's accepted across baseball now, you know, that, that strength – you know, a strength program isn't going to hurt you, right? Because that was – Thank God. Yeah, right? I wish I had learned that when I was Gabe's age. Yeah, and so so now you're, you're actually building – they were always athletes. You know, like, those guys were always athletes – but now you're actually building athletes. You know, I mean, like, you're taking an athlete and you're giving him permission to become an athlete, to do what everybody else was doing in baseball, right? I mean, like, look, I mean, gosh, who's – you don't have you don't have Prince Fielder anymore. Like – I mean, and look, what did Prince Fielder try to do at the end of his career? He tried to become vegan? Yeah. And drop weight? Yeah. And then he got hurt? Yeah. Like – he went from one extreme to the yeah. other, trying to fit in with the crowd. Yeah. Um, it's funny, though, you bring up CC because, like, so CC was with the Indians when I was yep. coming up. Yep, yep. And uh, that dude was fun to watch in the weight room, man. Like, he, he was heavy. Oh, sure. No, he was a big dude. Obviously had body weight on him, uh, more fat sure. on him. But – uh I'll never forget when we, this is when we, we were still in Winter Haven, Florida. There was a weight vest in the weight room and it said CC only. Like, <laughs> literally, like it was hanging up. I'll never forget. It was like hanging up on this one, like on like the, I don't know, the leg rest or something uh-huh. on this pull down rack. I'll always like remember seeing it hanging up there. And dude, that thing weighed like 100 pounds. Jesus. Like, it was, like, the heaviest. Like, we had a bunch of weight vests in there. Most of them went up to, like, 65 pounds. Sure. And it said CC only and, like, a Sharpie. And that dude, as big as he was, he worked out with that weight vest on all the time. Everything he did. Sure. Everything he did, he wore that weight vest. Sure. So, it was a guy who was trying to get bigger right even though he was big right yeah like, and i remember thinking about that i'm like why is the dude that's already heavier than all of us and throwing gas by the way at that time yeah do you still 97 yeah 98 yeah like, and he could locate like nobody's business yeah yeah and and he was a god then oh like, for sure for the science, like he was our god yeah for sure and i remember that's how i looked at him i'm like so why is the lefty god 
who already weighs more than all of us. <laughs> like, that dude was almost double my weight back then. For sure. sure. I'm like a 17, 18-year-old. Yeah. Like, why is God wearing this heavy weight vest and lifting with with it? He'd do lat pull-downs. Jesus. With this wet weight vest on. And it's like, well, that doesn't even mean anything. Right. But it was just... He would always make himself heavier. Yeah, he was carrying he was carrying more weight around. Well, he was probably trying to get feel lighter. Yeah, probably he was trying, trying to get faster, right? To make sure they make themselves yeah. feel heavier. Yeah, and that's okay. Like again, it's not ironic to me that CC was at his best when N- yeah, no, he was right lighter, trying to make himself feel heavier. Yep. Now we're having guys that are lighter, trying to make sure they're lifting like guys that are heavier. Yep. But then when CC Again, he did it more towards the end of his career, and he started focusing on the cutter and, yep. you know, just just kind of trying to shape up the hitters. Um, that he focused on dropping a bunch of weight. Yep. I get it. It's because he got old yep. and carrying that much weight. Like, it was hard on his knee, man. Kind of break down. Yeah. That's, that's a different thing. Now we're just trying to build guys' bodies up as fast as we can, as early as we can, knowing – they may break down sooner than CC did. Sure, yeah. Well, and and now the what, what are they trying to do? Though they're trying to limit innings and all of the rest of those things. I mean, like, yeah, dude, how hard can you throw through less innings? Yeah, and think about the. I mean, like, think about it though. Like, dude, how that guy pitched what one season, but you know, not even a full season, but the equivalent of like seventy five seasons when he was in Milwaukee. You know what I mean? Like, like. You know, I mean, was no – that dude was a workhorse, you know? Yeah. I mean, give me the ball and I'm going to go out – I'm going to go nine, you know? So here's my – here's my question for you. Are we are we backtracking then? Are we – It was was CC a better – when CC was throwing 97, 98 and he could go like that for longer innings, was he built better for that than guys are now? No, That's I don't. What I'm curious about. Yeah, I don't know that he was built better for it. I just think it was acceptable, and I think that. Um, well, but also I think what you have is that is that it wasn't it wasn't the norm to throw 97 then, right? So CZ, you know, I I talk about uh, any. But, but if you play college baseball, you play college sports, you're a mutant, right? Like. You are you are not like the rest of humans. When you climb through the ranks through D three, D two, D one, you know you kind of climb your your scale of mutants. And then when you get when you play professional ball, I don't care how bad someone is. By the way, he would come to whatever sport he plays or she plays and dominate. Like I remember, we had a we had a girl. Um, that played high school, well, a girl at our high school, she was a couple years younger than I was, and she played college basketball at DePaul. She didn't start, right? But, I mean, back when, when the DePaul women's basketball program was really good, like like late 90s, she didn't start. She never started. Sylvia would come home, and I, we, I, would, play, I would play with her because uh, she would come to open gym. And I did everything I possibly could to get on Sylvia's team. Because, like... She was, if she was on your team, oh, if she was on your team and she was coming up the floor, 
you had better had your head on a swivel. Because if you had the smallest inkling of opening, she was going to hit you in the face with the damn basketball. Right? So you had to know what was going on. And so I always loved to play with her. But she was she was a different level of athlete, right? And so when you make it to the professional level, you're a mutant. And then, like, you know, with CeCe, before, that was before, especially lefties, right? Like, I mean, you throw a 95 yeah, was, as a lefty, was, that's unheard yeah, of. Back then especially, yeah. very I mean, because who much less a big guy. Yeah, so who would you have in that time? You'd have Randy Johnson, obviously. CeCe. Billy Wagner. Billy Wagner, yep. Yep, but I mean, I can't go down. I mean, as as good as Andy Pettit was, Andy Pettit would never sat ninety five, ninety seven. He was sitting like ninety two, ninety four, right? Like, well, and part of it is, I guess I was comparing him. Like, we had Cliff Lee there at yep. the same time. Yep, with CC, and Cliff Lee still threw like, you know, he threw like ninety four. Yeah, but um, the jump from ninety four to ninety seven is crazy. Very much a, like. CC could beat you with yeah. just a fastball and throw it wherever the hell he wanted yeah. in the zone and could beat you. Cliff had to, like, feed through that 94. Like, it was going to be, like, on the black and he yep. beat you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but but the jump from 94 to 97 is huge. Yeah, right? especially back then. Yeah. Now it doesn't seem that big of a stretch, but it's, it's very different. No, so so I think, though, I think what you have now today is that you've been able to build bodies – that are able to throw, you know, 97 or 95, we'll say. But what we have is we don't have – so we've built the body, but we haven't built the body to, to throw 97 mechanically sound. And Well, I guess my point with it too is like CC threw that hard. Yeah. And he stayed. Like not only did he make a career out of throwing that hard for that long. Yep. But he also kept pitching beyond that. For sure, yeah. He still threw hard enough. <clears throat> yeah. Or you could argue, like, was athletic enough to then develop, like, a different version of him. Sure. As a pitcher that, that that's, still get out. That's, that's, that's a big deal to me. Yeah, no, dude, that's actually – so, man, you know, when he, uh, when he went through his stuff in, what, 14, you know, 14, 15, and 16 – and you could start to see, like, around 13, I think, like he started to really fall off. So, yeah. you know, you I mean, by now, if people have listened to the podcast enough, I'm a Yankees fan, right? Like, dude, I was jacked when CeCe came, right? I was jacked. Yeah. And then all, from, from his mindset alone. Yeah, but all of a sudden what happened, he falls off. And then, you know, it's this drastic fall off. I actually, I mean, after he came out and he had his struggles and, you know, he was really, you know, transparent and vulnerable with it that that was huge for me like i really respected him but i respected the hell out of him for coming back and being that cagey old veteran right and and it was funny you know i mean like and him talking about like you know like men if i would have discovered the cutter years before that i'd still be throwing but he had no need to no right thing people don't get to is like People think like, "Oh, why didn't you throw it?" Well, right. He didn't need to. Right. Right. Like, he had no reason for it. Yeah. But like you're saying, that veteran within him said, "Okay." Like his ego stepped aside. Yeah. And he's like, "I'll throw this." Yeah. Because I can. Yeah. Because he was good enough to. Yes, for sure. Yeah, to take a like, pitch that he didn't throw at all in his career, right. and then and then to like change stream. Yeah, and then to change change his yeah. complete style. 
Like, yeah. it's craziness. I have so much respect for that dude. Yeah. Seeing him in his prime to, like, getting to see the end of his career, man. A lot of people don't. A lot of people that haven't been in this, like, can't can't really fathom, like, what that guy did. He went from, like, the biggest of the big. For sure. To then, like, humbling himself to, like, not just humbling himself, but then, like, mastering a craft that a lot of guys will never find. For sure. Yeah. Well, and like, then talking about, like, how he liked to come out of the bullpen. Like, yeah. And dude, was okay with it. Yeah. And was okay with not getting, like, a starting role. Right. Like, yeah. dude, do you know, like, I would have I would have been livid <laughs> if I was him. Like, that's just me. Like, yeah. I would have been pissed that he can give me that start. Yeah. And, and I definitely would have came out and been like, dude, I get it. And I'm going to come out of the bullpen and I'm going to, like, do my thing. Yeah. I was not. That's why, like, a lot of dudes freaking hated me as a teammate, too, is because I was that guy. I was not – I was in it for me. Sure. Like, I was in it for – and, again, like, all the, this is all, like, lessons for kids. It's like, dude, look at CeCe. Yeah. I'm telling you, like, look at that dude on more ways than one. Like, that's a guy that I got the chance to come up with when I was with the Indians and get to, like, see him firsthand. Sure. And then – even when I got out of pro ball and I got to see that guy that I looked up to go beyond, not just like past me, but beyond me in more ways than one. I want these kids to see like the old generation, the new, mm-hmm. that guy, I promise you, like, did you watch the talk you were talking about? Like CC on the podcast and stuff. And he was talking with uh Sonny gray and yep. talked about like when he did, when he did learn the cutter and stuff, yep, that was a portion of when Sonny Gray was with him, and, yep. and so they had that connection. And and see, CC got to go through the big leagues when we had that big technology transition, sure, uh, biomechanic transition, whatever you want to call sure. it. That helps CC, sure, for sure. Sonny Gray and and the trevor bauer guys of the yep. world trevor bauer i know he's a big driveline guy but yep. like he's also just a big video analysis for guy. sure yeah i mean he he's really pioneered a lot of it yeah and so sonny gray helped cc right i mean a young kid coming up helped cc see yep here's what i'm going to transition to and he used technology to not develop his velo right to not get his velo higher but to craft his pitches, make his cutter better. Yep. Or how to locate his changeup better. Yep. Or how to set up a cutter, then follow with a slider. Yep. Like he learned tunneling better, which is a big topic in in pro one now is tunneling. Yeah. And that amazes me, man. I love seeing that. I love seeing that generational change in one of the literally the guys that was at the pinnacle of his big league career and then changed it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for for what the first ten years of his of his career, he was the dude, you know, yeah. like like the dude, you know. Yeah. I mean, and again, like it's funny because when you know Bartolo did the same thing, right? I mean, because yep. Bartolo, the too. I yeah, mean, like, when he was with the Indians and CC, like, dude, we love those guys. Uh, what and they both hit so far into their careers? Yeah, I mean, and what a crazy thing though that Indians that time in the Indians. Um, what a crazy thing. I mean, they had such a stack squad, you yeah. know. I mean, from from their starting lineup, you know, from the starting pitchers, the guys that were there, you know. I mean, like, 
God, man. Like, what a what a time to be in a place to see just absolute studs. Yeah. I mean, trust me, man. Like, being an Indian for my whole pro career, like, I took pride. Sure. In looking back at, like, what that organ that's it's an amazing organization, man. The Cleveland Indians, like, uh, for a while, like, I had a hard time with them, like, after my pro career, just them letting me go because that was just like that was a separation, sure, depression. If sure, you will. I mean, just it was a breakup, but, but man, like, did I love that organization from top to bottom? Like, a lot of I've, I've met a lot of guys that have played in the minor leagues, major leagues, like. I've had the chance to play with them and, and all of us have been able to say the same thing about the Indians is like, just has always been a top notch organization, like an organization that looked out even back then, like even though we didn't have the resources or the, no, but they like, did though. Cause look at the pitchers they developed. That's what I'm saying. Like we did. Um, it's just like, that's what I've, come back to realize is like yeah there was there was obviously some people you know scouting there that i mean and still today i mean right now they're kind of in a lull you know they're kind of you know they're at they've they're a little bit of a valley but i mean like four years ago i mean they were shit i mean like i'm just telling you i know from experience like they're an organization one way or another that always looks out for their younger guys. Sure. Yeah. And we definitely promote really well with them. Sure. Like, I mean, there was never a time where I didn't have something I didn't need. Sure. Like, you know, or I didn't get something that I needed. Sure. Um, and it's cool to see. So seeing guys, again, like CC or Bartolo or any guys that, like, were with that organization for a period of time and see them excel – well, it's never it's so fun. funny because you 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 brought up Cliff Lee and I I completely forgot he was an Indian, right? Dude, he was yeah, so young winner with Indians. Yeah, but I mean he went on to have a a great career after that, but like Dude, we had three guys in the Cy Young running. Right. Between Cliff Lee, right. also Carmona, yes. and CC. Yeah. All three of those guys were up for nominations for the Cy Young. I think that was 2004, uh, 2005, sure. 2000, or 2007, 2007, can't remember, it's hard to remember back, but dude, that was back, you'll remember the game when Falso was in the bug game, yep, against Jabber Chain, the midges, yep, all those bugs came in and Jabber couldn't deal with yep. it, like, and Falso had bugs, like, I tell all my over. kids all the time, I'm like, go watch that game. You want to see a guy with mental focus? Right. Go watch Foster Carmona in the bug game. Yep. Indians, Yankees. Yep. Go watch that game. Yeah, I mean, essentially, that and a little bit of the way that the Yankees handled Jabba, that wrecked Jabba. Because Jabba was a stud before that game. Like, yeah. he looked like he was the second coming, right? And then... I'll never forget that game, man. Yeah. I watched it live. I've told so many of the kids I've worked with over the years, like, just go watch that game, man. You want to see a guy that's dialed in, does not let the elements like affect him, does not let the crowd, much less like bugs literally flying all in his face. I, yeah, right. And he went out and dominated yep. that game. Yeah, like was 
electric, and that year he was up for the Cy Young. Like that was when you're in that zone, you don't leave it. Right, nothing's gonna mess you up. Like you're you're on track for a Cy Young. That's your end goal. That's what your sights are on. Like nothing's gonna mess with you. And I love that game, man. That was one of the greatest games I, I've just I watch it a lot, man. Well, because it's it, it it's it's the it's the unknown. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you don't it has see shit to do like with that. Mechanics have no, uh-uh. yeah. It's, Again, it's it's up here. Yeah, it's it's the ability to to dig in. Yeah, yeah. I always love just all again that's what we're talking about here with the greg maddox's the bob fellers again it's like i want kids to always see like trust me man you're gonna come to that point where like mechanics actually don't matter right like you're gonna get into a situation where like you can throw the best pitch again like you can throw the best pitch you want you're facing like a barry bonds yeah who like isn't gonna miss there's a reason he got walked like all the time (laughs) right it's because pitchers whether they trust their mechanics or not it didn't matter. They right. believed that dude, even with their best pitch, their best mechanics, their best whatever, it wasn't worth throwing to that dude. Yeah, and getting yeah, and, and making history. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. you don't want to be a part of that. No. So, yeah. Hey, we'll I'll walk his ass. Base. Yeah. Yeah. Screw it. Shit, I'll walk him like, I'll walk him with bases loaded. I don't care. I don't want to get beat. But like that year, I, I know Fosso Carmona, he's throwing the berry. Sure. He's like, nah. Like bugs, berry. <laughs> right. Whatever it doesn't matter. Right uh, here it comes. Well, you know, and so. and too, like in that environment, you know, um, that part of of the U.S. I mean, so you know, like uh, obviously I'm from Michigan, so uh, you know, Ohio is the armpit of the world to me. Um, but you know, like that part of the that part of the country, like having to pitch on the lake, you know. Um, in 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 Cleveland, is hard, dude. The weather sucks. The sp- Cleveland like, sucks. Yeah, Cleveland. Yeah. I love I love Cleveland fans, but like Cleveland, the city. Yeah. It's not the fans' fault, but God, yeah. Cleveland sucks. I, well, I mean, it's I part. Hate it's part of Ohio. I mean, you know, like it's oh. you know it you know. So, but yeah, I mean, that's a that's a really tough place to pitch. You know, yeah. I mean, like. That's a super tough. I be, I bet you Pittsburgh would be a super tough place to pitch too, right? No doubt. You know, Detroit. I yep. Detroit too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We were. I was at. I just came up the other day. I was on Facebook. Um, I went to a. a I had. I had a client. This would have been like 2014, maybe. No, I think it was 2015. Uh, I had a client who had uh, Tiger season tickets, and the Tigers and the Yankees were in, the, uh, the Yankees were in town. It was an early spring April game. And he's like, "Hey, man, do you want some? Do you want to go? You know, you want to go to the game? I can't go." And I was like, "Yeah, sure." Uh, Mike Do- Mike Doble was his name. So, Mike, if you watch this, we're talking about you right now. But uh, he gives me the so my buddy, my best friend, who lives down in in uh, North Carolina now. He moved back to Michigan for a short period of time, and um, I'm like, "Hey, man, I got tickets to see, see you know Tigers Yankees. You want to go?" He goes, "Yeah, sure, dude." It snowed. It snowed the whole damn game. Now, it, fortunate for me, David Price was pitching against the Yankees, so we hit him for seven in three innings, right? Like, uh, and the game was over before the third inning, the end of the third inning, you know. But I was like, I looked at my buddy. I was like, after the fifth, are we leaving? Because this sucks. 
and I can't imagine like having to sit through. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we went we went down to a bar, you know, uh, you know, over by where we were parked at, and had a couple beers and watched the rest of the game and warmed up. Yeah, Yeah, man, dude, it sucked. (laughs) No, dude. Yeah, and I I couldn't imagine like having to pitch in it all the time, or or even even worse, hit in it. You know, yeah, like no that would be awful. Every uh, every day you're there. Yeah, you gotta grind out. Yeah, in Detroit. Yeah. yeah, I get it. Yeah, now I, see if I, I if, it at all. if if I was commissioner, this would be the this is this would be the, my first mandate. Every northern team would have to have a a dome by like 2030, right? Yeah. Because Why not? Well, I mean, dude, I've been to a bunch of games. Yes. It's gotta be a good, I look at it as, it's got to be a good investment if you look at ticket sales. Yeah. Just alone. Yeah. And also, or, like. Or snowed out. I mean, right. games get snowed out. Sure. I mean, how much do you lose on that? It's right. Be. Well, no and, and then look at, like, do you want your guys. Pl- now, is it a bit of an advantage, you know, if you make the playoffs? Yeah, it's a little bit of an advantage. But, I mean, how is how easy is it for a guy to be running running down first base, you know, trying to beat out a, a, a throw? and pull a hamstring because he's cold, or a guy sitting out in the outfield for 15 minutes, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, I don't care how much Under Armour you're wearing. Like, it, 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 cold is cold. It doesn't help. And there's got to be a reason you and I are talking about this on a podcast and there's people making millions of dollars to make those decisions. <laughs> yeah, right. There's a reason they haven't done it. Right? They haven't of right? right? Well, I'm sure, but, it's, I'm sure it's a, you know, you can't get every, you know, northern team as as gorgeous as Target is, Target's is a, it, it's next time you come up it, during the summer, we're gonna have to go to a game at Target. Target is gorgeous. I was supposed to go recently with uh with Gabe's dad. He yeah, was trying to line us up tickets and couldn't get them. Well, because they were freaking legit this year. So yeah, tickets were a lot harder to come by, come upon. But yeah, yeah, no doubt we'll definitely go there. Yeah, no, Target's gorgeous, man. It's it, but dude. Put a damn. I mean, it doesn't have to be the Twinkie Dome because that was awful. But it's now it's 2020. We know what not to do. You know, I mean, like, just look at Miller Park. It's a perfect example, right? I mean, like, that's a great place to see a game. I've seen a bunch of games there. In the rain. Just don't go down to Tampa to their dome. No, no, no. Yeah. Well, I mean, are you in there? No, no, no. Don't. Yeah. It's horrible. (laughs) Don't go there. Yeah. They did it wrong. Yeah, for sure. So. Sell theirs. Yeah, well, I mean. Send all that money to the teams that need yeah. it. Yeah. freaking, like, what are they doing? Putting a dome in. What are they doing? Uh, yeah. Well, and also, yeah. what are they, I mean, what are they doing with a team in Florida anyways? You know what I mean? Like, they have enough baseball during the spring. You know, they, that, it's not like they don't watch. They don't go anyways. So, yeah. yeah. So, let's, um, let's, let's kind of, uh, if you were to give, uh, like, two pieces of advice to a young guy who's watching this, it's either like at the high school level trying to make it to the college level or the college level trying to make it to, to you know, a ball. What would you give a guy seeing that you've been, you know, you made the jump from high school to the pros, which is freaking incredible. But like, mm-hmm. what would you say to a guy right now? Um, you know, what, what would you say to a guy as far as like, you know, these are the things that I think that will help make you successful. Oh man, um, so starting off, it's like I want to say educate yourself. Mm-hmm. Meaning, uh, kids now, I think a lot of kids now they they don't utilize what they're given 
as much as they can. Sure. So you and I have talked about where kids need to bridge that gap a lot on their own. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get kids who are really naturally gifted mm-hmm. and I struggle really hard with getting them to go above and beyond just researching. Sure. Don't come into this as a hobby if you want to take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. You approach it as a hobby, you're going to fall short mm-hmm. because you have got you have kids now or guys now who are self-aware, mm-hmm. number one, but they're also aware of what information they have access to. Mm-hmm. Whether that be, uh, you talked a lot on your other podcasts with Top Velocity and how much content they put out. Yep. If you're not watching that content, you're really ignorant because that dude's giving out a ton of good free information. <laughs> sure. A ton. Like, I'm like, dude. Now, again, granted, I'm looking at his content from someone who has, like, done the research and and understands a lot of what he's talking about day to day. But if you, my point is, if you watch his content and you don't understand what he's talking about, don't pretend like you don't have the resources. Correct. To look it up. Yeah, because there's this thing called Google. I don't know if you've heard of it. And that's it's, my point. It's, it's new, like, Google. There's no dial-up anymore. Right. You know, <laughs> shit. I had to go to Ask Jeeves. Right. 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 Before Google, there was Ask yep. Jeeves. Go look that up. Kids. Yep. Go look at AskJeeves.com. That's a good thing we should do. Ask Jeeves how to throw a fastball. Let's see what Ask Jeeves is. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but there's there's just too much information. And then again, I think um, I think trial and error. Sure. I think not enough kids. I think um, I tell my kids all the time: if you're coming to me and working with me, and you do everything I tell you, I can already I can already promise you it doesn't work. Sure. Yep. Yeah, you got to try it on and see what fits. Yeah. If you yep. if you just do everything I tell yep. you, you're ignorant. Yep. And and for you to say that I have all the answers is actually really wrong because I don't. Correct. I promise you, I'm gonna always give you kids like that work with me my my best advice. Sure. But my best advice is not the answer. Right. You have to take it, and um, I always tell my kids like, please come back to me. Yep. And have a debate. Yep. Or come back to me and uh, and tell me why something feels wrong. Yep. I would much rather have that than have a kid pretend like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's good. That's good. I, okay. Or just say, like, okay, yeah, I, I feel that. I do that. No, you don't. Because, like, again, I'm not trying to build robots. No matter how you give guys information, yep. how I give guys information, uh, poor Sue at Top Velocity gives yep. them information. Anybody, it doesn't. It doesn't apply the way we word it, the way we direct it. It does not fit. Sure. What I tell guys is like, look at what I'm giving you as a puzzle piece. If the puzzle piece doesn't fit, come back to me for another piece. Yeah, I'll you, try and find it with you. Yeah, like, you, it's a big puzzle piece. Yeah. we gotta find it together. Yeah. 
Yeah, but because don't say it just fits. Yeah, th- there's certain things that should happen. I mean, there's certain se- there's a certain sequence that should happen. How the guy just look like I was working with this kid tonight, right? And I've been trying to get him onto his front leg more to use his front leg more. Um, and everybody else that I've worked with up until this point in time, as we get the drive leg better, the front leg you know will take care of itself a lot of time. Right. And instantaneously, he started to get way more extension off his drive uh, off his front leg, and I was like. What happened? Like, what did you do? He goes, oh, I just started pushing off of it. Like, like today it occurred to him to push off his leg. I mean, that's my point is, like, uh, I told you about this kid, Jack, that I'm working with, and he's made huge strides. Yeah. But I told him, I was like, you want to get to the hyperextension phase. Right. But your extension phase (laughs) is not good. Right. So why are you going to hyperextension? Right. When this is wrong. Yep. You know, and again, I, I love, like, the concept of, like, there's a stride. Yep. Then there's a throw. Yep. Yeah. So today, I had him, literally, I, I, I said, all right, you're not allowed to put your front foot on the ground. You're going to throw a ball off your back foot. Only. Oh, sure. And you're going to throw a ball off of your front foot only and give me, give me your feedback. Right. And he's like... Well, when I'm throwing the ball off my front foot, it's way, way harder and accurate. Right. Like both. I'm like, so why do you keep trying to pitch off your back leg? Right. Like, why can't you see one is meant to, like, get you out? Yep. Give power to the throw. Sure. Because you throw (laughs) better on this foot. Yeah. And when I showed him video, I was like, I didn't tell him to hyperextend right. on his front leg at all. I, I was like, just throw the ball off your front leg. Yep. What do we see? We see his front knee bend when he gets the arm back. Yep. And then we see it naturally hyperextend when he's trying to yep. extend the elbow. And I go, were you trying to do that? He's like, shit, no. I go, that's my point. Is like, when I get you to stop thinking that the thing I told you or you know the thing you think is right is the perfect fit like take a step back mm-hmm. and say like what works for me I just had you throw on one leg and then the other and I didn't tell you anything else and you can look at the video and say I'm throwing better on this leg sure like that's not a puzzle piece that's you looking at yourself and, and kind of starting, again, it helps these kids put the pieces together on their own. I hate kids that come to me for answers. Sure. Without questions. Well, I think, too, I think the, the, the hard part with that is that, A, um, you know, in a, in a lot of the evolution that we've done as a, as a species, we're still very risk-averse, right? I mean, no, like, no. We, we don't like to, to, to take risks. We don't like to change. We don't want to fail. We don't want to fail, and and we don't and and there's not enough people that will that will hammer in the idea of growth mindset, right? And so, um, you know, it, it's it's a it's a tough thing for a kid to, you know, they're coming thinking that oh man, this guy's gonna solve everything for me, yep. and um, then recognize that oh no, I'm not solving everything everything for that kid. 
All I'm doing is I'm giving, like I say to my, my clients that I see in my practice, you know, I have lots of ideas. Whether they're good or not, sure. it's up to you, right? Yeah. Like, like I don't know that, I don't know that that's, and I, I actually think that I said that to you the first time we met, right? Yeah. You know? We do not know that what we're giving you is the right answer. Right. We're going off of, again, experience, trial and error on our own. Yep. We've done the trial and error. Yep. But kids that come to us will not do the trial and error. Right. Yeah, you, of what we give them. Yeah, you've got to you've got to be willing to and the and the best like we were. I was having a session with guys the other day, and um, one of the guys said, you know, today he was having some rough times with his mechanics, and one of the other guys said, you know, days to, like today are the days that I really feel like I get better, and and you know, and he's like, yeah, and I was like, yeah, dude, like rough days in the gym, you know, like that day in the gym that that you just. You were nowhere close to your max or days in the gym where you go in and your first two sets just feel awful. And then somewhere along the way, like you find it and all of a sudden, oh man, your last three sets, the hardest sets felt nothing like your two warm-up sets. You know, your nervous system was just not primed and ready at that time. And so, you know, I think that those are, uh, you just got to be willing to, to, to experience failure and, and because I mean, that's, I mean, of all the sports, baseball is the king of failure, you know? Like, I'm both ends for pitchers and hitters. You don't throw, you don't throw, uh, how often do you get out of an inning with three, with throwing three balls? How often do you get out of an inning throwing, you know, with just nine, with throwing nine balls? You know, with three strikes, you know, do a batter. It doesn't happen, you know? And literally what just popped in my head, totally time what you're saying, I had a kid come to me the other day. Um, he's a freshman. He hit A3 on the gun with uh-huh. me, uh, I guess, like, two weeks ago now. Jacked up about it. Sure. Like, previous high in a game was, like, 78. Sure. 79, I think. Maybe 79. He'd never even hit 80. And he hit A3 with me, mm-hmm. like, six times mm-hmm. on the gun. So he was on this, like, crazy high that day. And this kid's been busting his butt. Now, again, like, 79 to 83, that was over the course of, like, six months, maybe. Sure, like, yeah. And he's learned a lot. So he comes to me the following week, and his velo, that, he won me a test. He felt great that day. Yeah, yeah. And he won me a test his velo, and I'm like, dude, look, I don't, I don't feel like I want to. I don't right. see the need to. Right. So I put him on it. And he's like 79 again. Yep. And he got like super upset. And I said, bro. (laughs) And so here's the irony, though. Yeah. He's throwing 79. Okay. And I'm sitting there watching the gun. I'm not reading. I'm not saying it out loud because I don't want to like discourage the kid. Uh I'm just watching. I'm like, shit, 79. There was an 80 in there. But he was like sitting 79 again. And he's feeling great. But here's what's ironic is like. He threw those 79s, and he started spitting out, like, I didn't feel like I got this. I didn't feel like I did this. I didn't feel like I did that. I think I could have done that. Okay? So he's spinning this stuff out, not me. Right. Not me telling him, like, this is what you should be right, doing right, right, right. to throw harder. He starts spinning it out. So then I tell, I go back, and I tell him what his velo was that day. 79. He's pissed. Uh-huh. Like, when I tell him, he's, like, visually upset, like, depressed, yeah. man. And I go, bro, can I tell you something? Every time you threw 79, 
Look at the video. Look at the video while you're throwing 79. What are you doing? You're critiquing. You're self-critiquing. Right. It's not me telling you what to do. You're recognizing right. before you knew what the velo was, you knew you were not throwing 83. Right. Now, you might have felt like you were throwing 83 because you felt good today, but you're sitting there, and it was like every pitch, man. And I loved it. And I told him, I was like, I want you to take pride in this. Yeah, for sure. I don't want you to take pride in throwing 79. Right. I want you to feel as good as you did throwing 83 last week. Mm-hmm. But I want you to go back and look at when you threw 83 that day, you didn't say a word. You were just like cruising. We had worked on stuff. We had yep. talked about stuff. You're throwing 83. There's no talk going on. It's just boom, 83, 83, 83. In between every single one of these pitches, I didn't say a word. You said everything. Sure. That's where you're becoming your own pitching coach. Yeah, for sure. That's where if you're in a game, you're going to start to recognize better yep. and better pitch by pitch. Yep. That was not my best pitch because. Yep. That's what these kids got to understand, too. Again, it's like I don't want to be your pitching coach. I tell right. my kids all the time, if I'm working with you all the time and we're working together like every week for like months or years on end, it's not just I'm not doing something right, neither are you. Right, for sure. If we're both really clicking. You should need to come see me less, and I hope you do. Sure. I was like, it's not that I don't like you. Right. I genuinely like love all my kids that I work with, but my genuine hope is that you need me less. Well, yeah. Because that means you're becoming your own yeah. coach. Yeah, you're able to advocate for yourself. I mean, that should be the goal yeah. of any good any good coach or teacher or instructor or whatever it is. Yeah. Don't so. lean on me. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get because it, because eventually I'm not going to be there, right? right. Like eventually, I if I it, can't be there during the game to critique you on this, yeah, because, yeah. Somebody's you want got that it. coach that doesn't know what you're working on to yep. come out here and talk to you about nonsense, or are you going <laughs> to actually like make the adjustment? Right? Yeah. You know, like no, do it. Yeah, no, dude. I I think that's a I think that's a, a really good point, and I also think that's a great point to end this on because if we yeah, don't man. end this. Uh, we will go on because we're oh, both man, this was awesome, ridiculously long-winded. And it's 10.30, almost 10.30 your time. So, yeah. yeah, man. Well, obviously, you know, like I said offline, you know, this is this is part one of probably many conversations. Um, I'd love to talk more and more, man. Yeah, yeah. Feed off of this. Yeah, this is good, man. I, I think it's a – I really love that we were able to kind of – you know, blend in some conversation about pitching. We were able to blend in. You know, one of the things that I enjoy about talking about you is you're still a baseball fan. And a lot of guys, a lot of guys that get to the places where you were at are no longer baseball fans, you know? Um, And so that's really cool because that's my, I mean, I'm a baseball fan first, you know, like I was telling you, I've got, you know, Bob Kendricks from the Negro League Baseball Museum to come on. And dude, I'm so jacked about having this guy on. Um, my my son and cousin and I went down to two years ago. Well, well, be, this will be our third season, if depending on what happens. But we decided that we were going to go to uh, a ballpark a year, the three of us. Um, and the first year we went down to KC, um, at, and ironically saw the Twins play the uh, the Royals. And um, I had been to the base, the Negro League Baseball Museum. Uh, I had been there. Um, in 2007, so I hadn't been in, you know, nine years or whatever, 10 years or whatever it was. And so we went down and when you go to the, the museum, 
when you when you go and you enter into the museum, uh, you go through an old turnstile. You purchase you purchase your tickets at like a ticket window, and then you go around the grandstand, and then you get back into the locker rooms, and then you come out onto the field. And so as we're walking around, we're hearing this tour that's in front of us, and this guy who obviously knows a shitload about the museum and in the in the history of the of the Negro Leagues, and we get out and we're. And when you get out onto the field, there's statuettes of uh, um, like Satchel Paige and Josh Gibson and you know Oscar Charleston and Cool Papa Bell. And so we come out and you know we hear these two guys that were from Michigan. Uh, they were talking to Bob, the well this guy about um, the uh, the Detroit Stars or they were also called the Detroit Wolves or the Negro League baseball team out of Detroit, and they played in this little suburb called Hamtramck. And so uh, they were just starting to rebuild Hamtramck Stadium, um, and kind of you know do it as a as a, a, a historical landmark for the city of Detroit. And uh, and then ironically enough, Jack White, the musician um, who's a huge baseball fan, uh, yeah, he started his company Warstick. Yeah, Warstick. Yep. Yeah. And so um, he's you know uh, he he personally donated a bunch of money to help fund that. And That's so cool. we were talking, we were listening to him talk, and we went over because my cousin's from Michigan as well. And we went over, we started talking to the guy. And then my cousin had um, this book. It's, this is my book, but he bought this book, uh, The Soul of B- Baseball. It's, it's uh, uh, Buck O'Neill. Uh, it's his last year that he was alive. This, this reporter went around with him because Buck was still touring around talking about the Negro Leagues. And what did Buck- they say a road trip to what? Sorry. Uh, yeah, it's uh, The Soul of Baseball. A road trip through Buck O'Neill's America. Gotcha. And and dude, if you read the book and you don't cry, you're a sociopath. <laughs> like everybody that I lend the book to, I've I've lent that book out to a bunch of people, but I always tell them you're gonna give me the damn book back because if you don't, I'm coming to find you. Right? It's a great book. I've read it a bunch of times. Um, I'm definitely buy it. But sure. but so so anyways, uh, my cousin's got his copy of the book, and this guy that that is talking to the these other two guys from Michigan, he's like. Yeah, he goes. That's a great book, and my cousin's like, "Yeah, you know, my my cousin told me about it." Blah blah blah. We don't know who this guy is, and uh, the guy goes, "Oh yeah, I'm, I'm in that book a couple times," and he says that like a couple times as we're talking. And I'm like, "Sir, I'm sorry, I, I don't know who you are." You know, like he's like, "Oh, I'm Bob Kendrick. I'm the president of the of the museum here," and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, this is incredible!" And sorry. then. So I reached out to him the other day on Facebook, and or I, I actually I friend requested him on Facebook the other day, and just took a shot. I was like, I'm gonna see if I can get this guy to come on the podcast. And dude, like he was like, yeah. I said, hey, look, you know, we were at the museum a couple years ago. We, you know, we we happened to have a talk with you. It was one of the highlights of our trip, and um, you know, it was just great. He was like, great. I was like, hey, I've got a podcast that's about pitching, but I'd love to have you come on and talk about the history of baseball and the museum and anything else you want to talk about. He's like, yeah, that'd be great. I just about jumped out of my chair, you know, like, so, so yeah, but it's, it was cool that, I mean, it's cool to talk to someone that played at the level that you talked at and you're still a baseball fan because that doesn't happen very often. So I feel like we, we definitely, you know, we're able to cover a, a lot of bases today with uh with our conversation here man yeah man and i'll be anxious to talk in the future man anything that obviously comes up within the game sure um obviously we're going to continue to talk about gabe and sure. work cohesively to try yeah. and get that guy to the highest level as i know he's capable of going to and and um yeah man i again i really appreciate 
your time and, and your interest in talking to me. For sure. Because, again, man, I, I still I try and stay humble. I want to stay on the small scale, man. Yeah. I want to work with kids that are at the beginning, guys are at the peak. Yep. And uh, you and I have talked about, like, just, like, bridging that gap, man. I think I think guys like yourself who have come in from your angle are so crucial to our game. And you're helping me see more in a kid like Gabe. Sure. You know, I, I'm so comfortable handing him off to you. Sure. Or top velocity or any other yep. program, man. I don't, I don't, I want him to go as far as he can. Yeah, so, man. So pumped to connect with you, connect with more, and uh, let's just see where this goes, man. I appreciate it again. Yep, man. Hey, it was great talking to you, buddy. Take care, man. Yep, talk soon. Thanks for listening to Pitching Nerd Show. To grow the Pitching Nerd crew, do me a favor. Rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps me to get to better guests and more opportunities for the podcast. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you guys soon.